When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to this exciting episode of TFL Talking Cars because today we are talking about the hottest, and I mean the red hot cars of 2020, Tommy. And what are those four cars? Well, we've got the new Land Rover Defender, the Chevrolet Corvette, the new mid engine C8 Corvette. What are the next two? Uh, the Model Y, uh, and of course, the Bronco. Now, we've driven three out of four of those, uh, so we've got a lot of experience behind the wheel of these vehicles. Of course, the one we haven't driven, which nobody has driven, is the Bronco, and that's why we're saving it for the end. But, Tommy, let's talk about the new Defender because, well, we just spent a whole day wheeling it up a really challenging off-road course here in Colorado called Red Cone. Uh, I got to drive it up, you got to drive it down. Uh, So uh, let's talk about the Defender. You know, the Defender name is, gosh, what, synonymous with... um, off-roading. It's the vehicle that, of course, was introduced not long after the Jeep Wrangler. Well, the Jeep wasn't a Wrangler back then, but the Jeep Willys. Uh, And, uh, you know, it's the one that conquered Africa. It's the one that uh, most Brits would feel most at home with off-road because it's a very British type of vehicle. Uh, And it's the one that we didn't have in America for a long time. And so the really cool thing was when we actually got to drive it, we took it up um, Red Cone with Three other vehicles. What were those? Well, we had the old Defender, so yeah. we had a guy tagged along in a 1995. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, that was really cool. 1994, 1995 Defender, and then we also had our Jeep Gladiator, and we had a Forerunner as well. So we kind of had a bunch of different metrics to compare the new model to. And before we actually talk about how it drives, um, let's give a big thank you to our friends at uh, Land Rover of Denver. Uh, to Steve Burt over there who lend us uh, the Defender. Uh, and when we come back after the intro, we'll talk about how it drives. Sit back and relax or keep driving if you're driving. TFL Talking Cars is on the air, the world's most popular car podcast. Okay, maybe not yet, but we're working on it. All right, Tommy, um, we have to say that the Defender that we drove wasn't stock. No, so believe it or not, Land Rover of Denver had actually given it a two-inch lift yep. using little lift rods and air suspension, so basically tricking the vehicle to raise itself up two inches. And then they also put on slightly oversized tires, so it was running uh, BFG KO2s. Yeah, and the really cool thing was uh, Steve, uh, who's now the manager of that store, used to be the manager of a Jeep dealership, and so him and his family have a long 
And uh, I think cool history with Jeeps. He's got some old TJs that he's actually fixing up. Uh, and so this dude knows how to wheel. Uh, so when we asked him if we could borrow the Defender to go up Red Cone, he said, you know what, I'll do one better than that. I'll bring along my friend Chris, who has, I think it's called The Edge. It's a, a off-road shop in Denver. Uh, and he brought his classic Defender, which was actually a 94, is that right? Yeah, it was a North American spec Defender from when they imported them in the mid-90s. And he came along on the trail with us just so we can kind of see the comparison between the new technology and the old way of doing things. Yeah, and you brought, of course, uh, our long-term Gladiator, which is also lifted. Yep, that's right. Uh, and then uh, Steve's uh, son came along, Tristan. Thank you, Tristan. And he brought his mom's uh, forerunner. So we had four really cool vehicles uh, that all kind of live in the same off-road space. Uh, we had old versus new. We had Jeep versus Land Rover. And then we had Toyota uh, as part of that. And if you're interested to see how uh, three of those did, we have posted a video to TFL Off-Road, uh, which uh, shows all three going up the rock garden, which was probably the hardest part of that trail. And the great thing about this day out on the trail is it was kind of our first real look at how the new Land Rover Defender would tackle some pretty pretty challenging terrain. So we were able to take it across some water. We were able to go over some pretty large rocks. We had the ability to kind of try it up at almost 13,000 feet. So we really did you know, have a great day out in real-world conditions with the new model because the Defender has been gone for a long time at least in the United States. It's been gone for over 20 years. The new one came out last year, and people were kind of uh, upset about it because the old one was, you know, convertible Jeep competitor, right? It was body on frame. It had solid axles. It had a V8. The new one is completely different. It's got independent suspension. It's a unibody. It's got a choice of turbocharged engines. And there's kind of been a lot of discussion. Is the Defender actually worthy of of its name? Is it going to be able to tackle the terrain that the old one could? Yeah, uh, and actually beyond that, we also got to drive it both on the highway and on some twisty roads going to and from uh, the mountaintop. Uh, so we got to experience it both the way that most people will and then the way that most people won't. And what I mean by that is let's give a huge uh, thank you and a shout out to, once again, Land Rover of Denver because uh, they did put this thing in harm's way, right? This is a vehicle uh, that went up. Let's say that, you know, 10 is, I don't know, what's what's the hardest course we've done? Rubicon, something like that? Sure. Uh, and one is a dirt road. We were on something that's close to a six or a seven, especially in the rock hard. And, you know, things did get uh, scratched and bumped. And, you know, the bottom of vehicles did get uh, pretty seriously banged up on rocks. Uh, and to take a, a $72,000, I think this was a $74,000 Defender, uh, and do that is, is, is a testament to how much faith and belief that uh, the dealership has in that vehicle's ability. Steve actually took that Defender on a trail called Chinaman's Gulch. Yeah, I saw the video. Here in Colorado, and that, that is a, a properly challenging trail. There's a couple obstacles there that will really test approach, departure, breakover, and then the four-wheel drive system on any vehicle. And they they really did you know, push the vehicle to its limit out on that trail. So it, it's cool that, you know, there, there are dealerships out there that are willing to, uh, you know, put their inventory or their stock into some interesting situations to prove the worth of the vehicle. And by interesting, you mean dangerous. 
Yeah, rather than just, you know, putting a sticker out on the lot. So it's really, really great to see Lander of Denver willing to, to do that with their new $76,000 rig. Yeah, and uh, the other cool thing about the day out was that, of course, we could compare it to the old one, uh, which is a much different vehicle. So I think we've teased it long enough. Uh, let's talk about how it drives first on-road, and then we'll talk about how it drives off-road. Uh, so in order to do that, we have to talk about what's under the hood, right? In the new Defender, you do get the uh, availability of two different uh, uh, engines, um, there is a four-cylinder turbo, and then, of course, there's the one that we had, which is a new straight-six. Um, supercharged? Turbocharged. Turbocharged. Turbo. It's a turbocharged. Puts out 395 horsepower. Uh, and um, the Defender is big, especially the 110, which we drove, right? That's a four-door. It's big and heavy. So when you're out there on the road, uh, you can feel the, the, the size of this thing. It's a big family Holland SUV. And, you know, the uh, kind of the inside story about this is that uh, this was supposed to be the Discovery 6. And then when uh, Land Rover figured out that there was such a lot of uh, need and want for an off-road vehicle, they took the Discovery 6 and basically, uh, you know, put the Defender nameplate on it. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. Uh, but uh, it does feel true because it is a big, um, big SUV. Which is good because it also tows a lot. I think it tows eighty five hundred. I disagree, Dad. Yeah. I, I don't actually think it is that big. You don't? Think, I think it's big. I, I think they designed this from the ground up to be Defender. You think so? Yeah. The interior does not feel the Discovery. Inter- the interior is probably one of the best parts of the new vehicle. But it's not Discovery. It's very yeah. It's very different. It's, yeah. it's got a lot of utilitarian. There's a lot of like almost neoprene like rubber on the inside. Uh, there's grab handles. Uh, there's a lot of shelves. Uh, there's just a lot of like you know off-roady kind of goodness where you feel like, you know, you could um, hose off this material and not damage it, even though I don't think you'd want to do that with a 70 thousand dollars vehicle, but that's the kind of the, the feeling of it. The weird thing about the Defender is it's it doesn't look all that big. So when you stand next to it, it feels pretty normal-sized, but then when, when you really get behind the wheel, that's when the size comes. Because when you're standing next to it, it looks like a Wrangler Unlimited. I don't think it's it's much bigger than than a Wrangler Limited. It's not until you get behind the wheel and then you, you start. Some, why don't you do some research and see see the difference in size? I well, bet you it is bigger. I'm showing the audience this amazing little video they put together. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's the video? It's the Defender running in the dirt. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. You should you should show them the one the seat put together. Yeah. 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 Let me find that. That yeah. was really cool. Yeah, but. I, I, you know, it can be a three-row. You know that. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it, I mean, it's the you're not interior get that volume in a Wrangler Unlimited. But when you see it in person, like it doesn't seem that big to me. Well, it's one of those cars that certainly drives bigger than maybe it is. Yeah, for sure. Because when you get in it, like it's if, if definitely that's when it starts to feel like a Discovery. Now, the old uh, Discovery, of course. Uh, had that kind of command seating position where you sat on top of the vehicle and it had that stadium seating. The Defender doesn't have that, but I noticed that you cranked up the seat to kind of emulate that. Well, the great thing is there's so much headroom that you can crank up that seat. So the command driving position is this effect where basically it feels like you're driving on top of the vehicle rather than in it. So it gives you this cool truck-like experience. The, the, the latest Land Rovers don't really have that. But in the Defender, you can crank up the driver's seat enough, and it's got enough headroom where you can still emulate. It's got tons of headroom. Yeah, huge amounts of headroom. Yeah, and the other cool thing is let's talk about some of the cool tech that it has. Uh, besides the kind of the cool materials, uh, there's also the uh, terrain management, right, which allows you to um, not only pick, like, mud and rocks or sand and snow or... Um, cacti, whatever the hell that is, probably sand, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also a configurable one where you can actually dial in the amount of wheel slip you want. And what that does is it changes your throttle response, 
Uh, it changes the air suspension, right? So it does have air suspension, so you can lift it pretty high. Uh, uh, and it changes the way that the power is distributed to the wheels, depending on how you choose it. And Steve, being an old Jeep guy, actually went into the configurable one and added a little bit more wheel spin because that's how he likes to uh, wheel. Uh, and it really works. It's it's really a tech overload because there there are you know your usual mud and ruts, rock crawl, sand. Um, but for, for the first time, you know you can go and really adjust little minute things. So if you like the programming of a mud and ruts, but you feel like the throttle response is a little delayed, you can change the, just the throttle response and configure it that way, or you can change just the um, the traction control programming. Tons of different options, but there's no kind of Rubicon setting to like lock the rear diff. You know what I mean? Yeah. So ours didn't have a rear locker. It's really weird on the Defender because it comes with obviously a, a center locker uh, when you put it into four low, uh, and then if you spec your vehicle out, you can get uh, the rear locker. But it's not even called like a, like an off-road thing, right? It's basically the torque vectoring uh, on their website. And if you order the torque vectoring, I forget what they call it. It's like some kind of car control. Right, it's not. It's not. It's not on the website as an off-road thing. It's on there as an on-road. They have something called the act of locking rear diff. Right. So that's the rear diff lock, and then they also have a package. But called they don't sell it like like an off-road package. They sell it as an on-road package. No, it's 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 active locking diff. Right, and but then, it's not sold that way. It's no, it's, no, that's what like, it's called on the website. I have it right here. Right, but it's not sold. It's not. It's not like this is great for off-roading. It's sold as a way of making the car better on-road. Mm, I'm not sure about that. I'm sure because I ordered ours. Yeah, but so there's terrain response too, and then there's also the active locking rear diff. That's what it's called. It's not marketed as like the Porsche system. It is. The Porsche system is... Go go on their website and and, and look at it. All right, I'll build one right here. Go go build one, and and you'll see how it's configured. It's configured, and even the picture is of the the thing on road in snowy condition. So I got to go Defender. Yep, go configure it. And then I'm going to go, just the engine doesn't matter. By the way, we, we did order one, uh, and we probably ordered the one that you'll never see, which is the four-cylinder, which only has about 300 horsepower. And we did that because we wanted the bigger steel wheels, which you can't really get with the uh, uh, straight six. Uh, so what Steve had to do was, of course, upgrade the wheels, upgrade the tires on the one that we r- drove. Uh, but if you get the smaller engine, which I think will be one of two built for America, then you can actually get the Steelys and you can get the bigger wheels. Uh, what are those, 18s, I think, you can do Steelys? Oh, you're out there configuring it. Yeah, I believe they're 18s. Okay, so here we go. Yeah. They're all off-road packs. So there's an off-road package, which yeah. gives you the electronic active differential by torque vectoring by braking, off-road tires, and then there's the advanced off-road capability package. Yeah, torque vectoring by braking. That's what I remember. Um, but they're both marketed as – I mean, it's not like it's track. No, I didn't say it was track. I said it was or on-road. on-road. It's not on-road. It's off vectoring by braking. It's called the off-road package. Okay. I'm uh, going with that. I think right. they did not – it's not – it's not as easy as just clicking the Rubicon button, but it is exactly. still it is still an off-road package. All right. Uh, anyway, go on their website, play around. You'll see what I mean. Uh, and, um, yeah, so uh, that's the one we ordered. Uh, and even when we basically ordered the very basic one, um, you know, ours came out to, I think, 64000 It's supposed to get here in October. So full disclosure, we do have one on order. Uh, but because of COVID, everything's gotten pushed back. And actually, we've got some news. Uh, they pushed back the 90, the two-door, until 2020. 
one right now. Yeah, so that's the shorter wheelbase. Right, right. Yeah, you won't even get. You can't even get that really now until next year uh, because once again of COVID. Uh, the other cool tech that we were talking about is the cameras. So uh, there's some really cool camera tech in the Defender. Uh, there's two favorites that I have. One is basically the, the ability to see through the hood, so that you can drive and see what the rocks are in front of your wheels, or if you're about to go off of a cliff. Or there's this really cool camera which looks like the vehicle has a, a selfie stick that's stuck let's say in front of it or next to it so you can actually see yourself driving the vehicle from as if you were let's say four or five feet uh, outside of the car looking back on the vehicle and that's pretty cool if you are into really fancy technology i think the defender is going to be better than both the wrangler and the bronco because it's just got so much more of it you know the from like the way depth sensors where it'll tell you how much water you're going through to the uh, crazy advanced hill descent control. I mean, the Wrangler and the Bronco also are bringing in new tech, but in terms of actual, you know, gizmos that you can play with out on the trail, the Defender, I think, has got more than both of those. But you also pay for it because it starts at forty nine nine. Yeah, and you'll never see that one. No, so realistically, you're going to be looking at a sixty five or seventy five thousand dollars. And that's with the small engine, the steel wheels, and the uh, you know, no bells and whistles, no heated seats, no. No sky roof, no nothing. Because the which one, is what we ordered. Yeah, the one we configured was sixty four, right. with the four cylinder, and you know it didn't have any of the, the, the fancy things that would make it you know, comfortable like you might expect a seventy or sixty four thousand dollar SUV to be. So anyway, so we get on the trail, and uh, here, here's the order of things. First time he heads up in the Gladiator, and I keep in mind it's a Rubicon, so it's lifted two inch uh, Mopar lift. Uh, what size tires? Thirty fives on there. Yeah, on our Gladiator, we're, we've got 35s. Yeah, so he's got 35s. Uh, front locker, rear locker, disconnectable sway bar, pretty much as off-road worthy as a Jeep can get. Uh, then I'm following him with the new Gladiator. Now, this is a 2-inch uh, lift. Oh, uh, the new Defender. The new Defender, sorry. The 2-inch lift with uh, KO2s on it. How big were those tires? Like 33s? I think they were 33s. Yeah, so it's a little bit taller. Uh, and then Chris is following in the old Defender, the 94. And he's had it really cool. I think that was like a 4-inch lift. He had some military spec tires on that thing you really wheeled that thing it wasn't just like a, a show vehicle it was one that got used a lot because you could see the uh, bumps and dents and bruises on it from having been in the in the in the thick of things yeah he said it was a three and a half inch lift with 36 and a half inch tall tires and locking discs so that one was super built out now the video you see right now is actually them going up chitamans gulch oh cool so it'll give you kind of a sense of what the uh, defender performs like but it does surprisingly well because it has air suspension, so you can really jack it up and, and gain a lot of ground clearance. And then following behind was uh, Steve's uh, son, Tristan, uh, bringing up the rear with um, a forerunner, but it wasn't a TRD Pro, even though it said TRD Pro on it. They stuck those on there just for fun. It was a basic one, didn't have the, uh, it had a track, but not the adjustable uh, control. The story is. They needed a third row, yeah. but you can't get the third row in the TRD off-road. Right. So he took the SR5 that they bought and basically turned it into a TRD off-road because that's what his wife wanted it to look like. So it, it was an interesting setup. And how did the Defender do out on the trail? Well, so we, we get to our first obstacle, which is this part where the road narrows and there's a big boulder that you have to go over. Uh, and you get up there with the uh, Gladiator uh, and you kind of sc- scoot over it. Now, the Gladiator has one Achilles heel, which is... It's beige. No, it's long. Okay. <laughs> it's super long, which means even with a lifted one, uh, it has a pretty crappy breakover angle, so it's easy to get hung up. And that came into play later when we went up the garden and that video we talked about. Uh, but then um, I went up, uh, and I actually went up and over uh, 
that big rock, and then I got hung up on, uh, I think it was the bottom of the A-arm, wasn't it? I think it was the rear diff. Was so the rear, you, well, he said rear diff, but I think it was the A-arm. Well, it took a good chunk out of the rear diff shield, so I think it was the rear diff. Because basically the whole thing was high-centered right in the middle of the vehicle. Yeah. So it was like a big pointy rock, and then it was just completely stuck in the, in the middle of the belly pan. So I think it was the rear diff. But the Defender does have these A-arms in the suspension that kind of hang down quite a bit. And you could, uh, they're aluminum, and you can see them, and you kind of wonder why they did that. I think it's because, unlike the Gladiator, it doesn't have a solid axle. It's got independent uh, suspension. Uh, and so you've got basically, uh, I think, a little bit of an Achilles heel with these things that hang kind of way down. It's kind of like the Chevy Silverado with that bottom mount for the Rancho Shock, right? It just hangs way down. It just looks like something that's going to get hung up on a rock. Uh, anyway... Um, that was the only time that we actually needed to push, so it wasn't that hung up because you guys pushed me out. Uh, and then the old Defender came up and over it, didn't care. Uh, and then uh, the Forerunner came up and over it, struggled a little bit. Wheel spun, tires got a little hot. But it, it walked right over. It did it, yeah. I don't think it had a lot of difficulty yet. The, the, the Forerunner was a real surprise in the trail. It just ate everything up. But, you know, the, the Achilles heel with the Defender is not only those, those rear suspension arms, yep. which you'll find on any independent or suspension vehicle, but it's the fact that when you jack the suspension way up, you just lose all suspension travel, and it really becomes firm. And the new Defenders supposedly have actually two airbags, right? One big one and then one small one on top of it, so when you do jack it all the way up, you do have a little bit of suspension travel, but still, um, you know, you could really see it struggling. And, and part of the reason I think it struggled was it didn't have that locking rear uh, diff, right? Because open diffs, no matter how how much technology you have, it, you could still see the thing really working hard to try to figure out which wheel and tire had traction and which one didn't. So, you know, it's using the ABS to break the one that's spinning, sending power to the one that isn't. But that all takes time, whereas if you're all the way locked down, it just goes. It was the first edition, so Steve was saying that the first edition models can't, can't be specced with the locking rear diff. So it just has the, the traction control to do it. But as you can see in the video, I mean, it'll, it'll tackle some Which real terrain. Which video are you showing right now? It's the Chinaman Gulch one. Oh, you should show them the one where we went up to Rock Garden. Find that one next. So, yeah. so let's, let's show them that one. Um, it's over, if you want to see the whole thing, it's over at TFL Off-Road. Uh, the other thing that I, I frankly didn't like about the vehicle, uh, and there's a lot to like, but I'm kind of starting to get my dislikes out of the way first, was if you get, I don't know if it's the Adventure Pack or the Off-Road Pack, but it's got this box uh, that hangs off the side of the thing. Uh, and it looks cool. It's like somebody's idea of if you want to go off-roading, we need to put a box. But there are two big problems with that box. First, when it's up there, it blocks your view of the outside rearview mirror, so you can't see what's behind you when you're on the road. And then when you're off the road, you're terrified of actually hitting a tree with it and smashing uh, your rear window because it does, you know, stick out, what, about eight inches. It's an interesting idea. It's basically a cargo carrier that comes – the one that we had was on the Adventure package, but it's also on the Explorer package. And the idea with the cargo carrier is you can put, you know, straps or whatever stuff you, you can – you'd want in there. Well, well, let's talk about that. What would you stick on the outside of the vehicle that you couldn't stick on the inside? Well, it's just supposed to be cool, I think. I mean, yeah, it's – I mean, what? Uh, the only thing we could come up with is if you have a dog and you've got, you know – clean up after yourself. You don't want that in the vehicle, so you put it on the outside of the vehicle. But anything else, you'd, you you could just throw in the back of the thing, right? Dirty clothes, uh, garbage, all that stuff. Unless it's super stinky, what else would you put on the outside? Plus, it could get stolen. It's just a little, like, little tiny lock. It's really... It is a cool thing, though. I do like that box. I think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, well, you weren't... 
wheeling it in that really tight area That's where, true. where yeah. you know you were afraid of hitting a tree But you can lid. put like all your recovery gear in there. And then what else happened with it? It well it opened up on the highway. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think we latched it properly and it flew open on the highway. Hmm. So yeah, you would have had straps all over the place. So yeah, cool idea. Uh, cool concept, not a great practical solution to anything in my mind. So yeah. those, those were the two things. So tell me about what you thought of it off-road. I loved it. I mean, when you really start pushing it, it doesn't have a lot of articulation, and that's a problem. The one we had also didn't have underbody protection, which is a big problem. Well, there was some kind of like a cloth protection. It's really weird. Yeah, it's like a felt underneath yeah, there. Yeah, it's really weird. But when you're kind of doing more mild trail running, the air suspension really comes to its own, just normal height, cruising down the trail. The thing feels like it can take anything at 40 miles an hour, the smaller bumps. It's got plenty of space inside for all your gear. Um, it's got, you know, just a tremendous amount of power, too. Yeah. So if you had a little trailer you were towing out on the trail, you could you could easily tow 3,500 or 4,000 pounds, and it, it feels like it would just handle that all day long. It's got the low range for when things get going tough. So I think as an overlander, it's got a lot of potential for for being successful. So Steve's driven it the most since he, it's his vehicle at the dealership, and he said something interesting to me. He said, you really have to learn how to wheel it. If you try to wheel it like a Jeep, uh, you're going to really fight the system. If you actually start working with the system, which he did in that video, right, where it's climbing up over some pretty big rocks, then it gets to be very good. I, I didn't get to that point of comfort. I was still trying to wheel it like a Jeep, and when you wheel it like a Jeep, it, it, you do end up struggling with the system. The other thing, of course, we didn't have is a rear locker, so that could be a real game changer, especially when you're on something really steep with loose uh, uh, dirt and you know loose rocks. That, that rear locker is a lifesaver. Yeah, out on the trail, it really performs a lot more like a, like a Wrangler with solid axles. Yeah, yeah. So uh, overall, um, I'm still... Not convinced uh, that they went, you know, the right direction like the Bronco, which obviously from the specs that we have has uh, been um, directly aimed at the Wrangler in terms of its capability. You know, this still feels to me like, uh, you know, they went more for uh, the weekend off-roader and not for the, you know, the the serious off-roader like the old Defender. Uh, So uh, we shall see when we get hopefully ours with both lockers and whether it actually can wheel and keep up with the dedicated off-roaders. And, that, you know, uh, that's a good and bad thing, right? Because when you have a dedicated off-roader like a Jeep Wrangler, uh, then you run into issues with drivability on-road. And it does drive well on-road, the Defender. It yeah. really drives nice. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the third issue, getting the bad things out of the way, the brakes were really grabby. Hmm. How about, did you see that? Did you sense that? Because you went down the big hill. There was too much braking force right at the beginning of the pedal travel. Yeah, it just feels like there's no uh, ability to really um, fine-tune your braking, right? You just you hit the brake, and you want to just get a little bit of braking, and it just grabs. Uh, and uh, I found that to be true both on the road and off-road. Uh, so I don't know if that had to do with the way that uh, you know we use the, the train management or if it's just – and that's the second one I've driven now, and they both have the same issue. I think that it's something they can address going forward. I hope they do. But I don't think it's like a, a deal breaker. I think you could get used to that pretty quick. So on the good note, the cool thing is like when you were um, following me and I saw you in the rear mirror and that thing, it's just a badass looking vehicle, right? It's got those kind of frowny headlights uh, and it's just a – and especially from the rear uh, following it, it just looks really cool uh, seeing it. I mean like the coolness factor uh, from a design standpoint is off the scale. I think it's cool. Especially compared to the Disco. I think it's cool. I don't think it's as cool as the old one. 
I think the old one was a little cooler. Yeah, but everybody's going to say that. I mean, we've <laughs> never done the old versus new video where 99.9% of the people said, I, I don't want the old one. I think a lot of that has to do with, like, nostalgia, right? People always are nostalgic for something that's no longer around because it's, it's more precious. Yeah, right? that's true. Right? You can't go buy an old Defender from the dealer. You have to go find one and fix it up. And so anytime we ever do that, I just think it's a badass-looking vehicle. All right, well, I think we've, I think we've talked about that enough. Uh, keep in mind, guys, we've picked vehicles uh, that um, are hot because they're hard to get, right? A Defender is hard to get, and our next vehicle certainly is very hard to get. Uh, and we both got to drive it. It's the new uh, Corvette C8, the mid-engine supercar at... Let's call it, uh, well, not economy car, but certainly like every man car prices. It starts at $60,000. Which you'll never find again. Which you'll never find, yeah. But it's a, um, basically, it's a supercar killer for, realistically, I don't know, $75,000. Yeah. It's got that mid, mid-engine V8. It's got 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds, according to Chevrolet, depending on how you spec it. And you it, got to do that. Would you feel like it was fast? Yeah, it was crazy fast. With launch control, it really takes off like heck. Yeah, so we got to drive it uh, basically in Las Vegas, uh, outside uh, in um, the desert. Um, we had a red one with a, a beige interior, which was a perfect color combination. Uh, and, yeah, it's um, let's talk about the design. So the old C7 uh, was, you know, a front-engine car, and it had that kind of long, sloping hood. Uh, and then, of course, the cabin. The cool thing about the new one, of course, is since it's, Mid-engine, right, you don't have a big hood, but you have kind of the cabin in the middle, and then you have a big rear on the thing, and that's what I think makes it look really cool, more Ferrari-like uh, and less um, well, less Corvette-like. The car is incredible. The design is the one thing I'm not super hot on. Very busy. It, very busy, yeah. They really threw kind of everything they had at it, and it almost looks like they threw just a little bit too much at it, so I think there's just a little bit too many creases and curves, especially on the front end, but... They, they did definitely go for that fighter jet-like design. There's, there's no doubt that it was inspired by aircraft, and I think most people out there are going to love the design. Yeah, and it comes as a hard top kind of target top, right? So you can take the top off, and then there's a space uh, that's behind the trunk, which is now behind the engine, right? So it basically goes front, passenger compartment, uh, engine, and then there's a trunk, and then in that trunk you can stick the... Uh, uh, target top, so you can make it a really cool open air vehicle, uh, and then the materials are all top notch. I mean, it really does feel like a supercar at uh, regular car prices. Yeah, and there's also a convertible too. Yeah. So if you want to spec more of an open top experience, you you can have a retractable hardtop as an option. I mean, they really they really just just killed this new new car. Yeah, uh, you sit you sit down low inside of it. Uh, everything is very driver centric. So you've got the classic kind of Corvette thick steering wheel that you're looking into and you're looking kind of straight ahead and because uh, there's only a little frunk you can actually see the road right in front of you so it, there's, sight lines are really good and then off to your right there's a um, kind of a, like a ledge that runs along and then you've got all these HVAC buttons your heated seat buttons along the ledge that control everything it feels like you're in a you know a cockpit of a fighter jet it certainly is different than any other Chevrolet on the product on the market, so they they really went bespoke on it from the you know the squared off steering wheel to the use of aluminum to like the curves on the top of the dash. The interior is is next level, so the interior does feel like a hundred thousand dollar car, and it, it all the material qualities are really nice. 
tons of options. So we had a 3LT equipped vehicle that we tested, so that's more of like the uh, the luxury end of it. But you can have the Z71 packages on the uh, the uh, more baser cars, and those are going to be kind of your high-performance models. It's amazing that you can have a car now which will go 0 to 60 sub 3s for the mid mid 60s and looks looks like a Ferrari and handles like a Ferrari and sounds like a V8 powered Ferrari uh and you can service at your local Chevrolet dealer. Yeah, and and here's the thing, right? It's got what 450 horsepower if I remember right. It's been a while since we drove it. You can probably look at that. I'll look up. up the exact number. But we we this week at the office we have the new uh Hellcat Challenger a red eye, which has 800 horsepower, uh, and we just took it to the track and raced it against a car that we'll be talking about next, which is the Model Y. And when I say the track, I mean the quarter mile Bandemir drag strip. Uh, and the problem with, of course, the um, Hellcat is even with the red eye, which has the bigger, wider tires, you can't put that power down. So even though it has more horsepower than the Corvette, the Corvette, because of the engine location, actually allows you to put that power to the ground. 495. So there you go, 495. Yeah, 495. So 300 horsepower less, and yet much easier to launch and much easier to get a quicker 0 to 60 time. Um, the other thing I'd say about the VET is um, it gets a lot of attention. It does get a lot of attention. They've got some really interesting colors, too, and it's super configurable. So if you go on the Chevrolet Corvette um, configurator, there's just so many different color and wheel and interior options that you can choose, and and you can really make it your own vehicle. So kind of, you know, with the C6s where they all pretty much looked the same, they were all various blues and whites and reds, uh, there's some really interesting options on the C8 that will allow you to configure, like, the interior stitching and all the stuff throughout the uh, the vehicle to make it your own. It's also the car that every YouTuber loves to own, right? So it's become the darling of the YouTuber community. So a lot of the popular channels have bought one. The cool thing was, of course, uh, that they were, well, the bad thing, I guess, was that they were supposed to build a whole bunch of 2020s, and then COVID hit. They had to close down the factory in Bowling Green. Uh, and then I think they basically said, we're not going to build any more 2020s. We're going to go right to 2021 when they open up the factory again. Yeah, which is it's a shame, but they're gonna they're gonna be making as many as they can. I think I don't think this is gonna be a limited run car. And like with all these cars, which is so frustrating, and you know there are good dealers out there, there are bad dealers out there. But good gosh, I, I understand you guys need to make money, and it's what the market will bear. But for that first pre-COVID Corvette dealer for marking these things up to over a hundred thousand dollars, right? A seventy, eighty thousand dollar car, one hundred and twenty. I think I even saw one for sale somewhere in Florida for like one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow! Yeah, that's like double the price. And I, yeah, I get that you'll make a lot of money profit, but you're going to just burn so many bridges with your customers by doing that. You just feel like, as a customer, if you walk into a dealership and you're looking at a car that with an MSRP of let's say seventy four thousand, and the dealer has it marked up to ninety four thousand, you just feel like. The dealer is taking advantage of you. And I know the dealer's comeback would be like, well, that's what people are willing to pay for. It doesn't make me feel any uh, more um, uh, amiable toward the dealer. I just feel like because they've got a hot car, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna make hay when, when they can. Uh, I don't think it lends itself to long-term relationships with your customers. But anyway, that's a whole different conversation. The conversation we can have, though, is, you know, Chevy's got this interesting approach to cars, like the Corvette out-of-the-ballpark home run for them, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, some cars, and this is very confounding because we were just talking about this the other day, some cars that they build, and let's let's take one that was just at our office, uh, the, the new um, Trailblazer, right, is basically kind of, you know, just a, a high-volume 
uh, you know, economy crossover. Uh, and you kind of wonder, if you can put this much technology into the new Corvette, why can't you do the same thing for the Blazer? Let's make it a Bronco competitor instead of what it is, which is, you know, a, a suburban um, kid-faring machine. Or the Trailblazer, which could have been a really cool, like, uh, hardcore off-roader instead of being a three-cylinder kind of runabout. I mean, it's, it's a cost thing, too. Right, because we're talking about a seventy thousand dollar car versus the Blazer. The Trailblazer we had was just under thirty. So we, we've been doing this for ten years, right? And something interesting has happened over the last couple of years, uh, and that is when a manufacturer actually builds a car that people want, not need, but want. Right? There's a big difference, and these are all cars that people want. And there's a couple here that, of course, aren't cars that we're not talking about, like the Cybertruck. Uh, the Rivian, because they're trucks, right? Then all, and actually even the Mach-E to some extent. Um, and um, we're not talking about that because, well, once again, we wanted vehicles that we've driven. Um, then all of a sudden people really are willing to put their money where their mouth is, right? Uh, for uh, all these cars, people have put down reservations way ahead of when the thing was being made. And we'll get to that one with the Bronco especially. I think Ford announced that they had over what now? What was it? 150,000 reservations for a Bronco. Wow. That's a ton. Yeah, that was last week. That was the news. Uh, And so you wonder if our manufacturer, you know, we make videos. And so when a video becomes very popular, we say to ourselves, we need to make more videos like that. Why don't manufacturers say that to themselves? Why doesn't Chevy say, you know what? The Corvette is an out-of-the-ballpark home run. Why don't we build more cars like the Corvette? I mean, you know, I think lots the, of character, the, lots of engineering, lots of performance, lots of everything. I just don't know if there's profit to be had in that. So that's what, that's what the, the that's what the accountants would say, I think, at GM. Because if you have an eighty thousand dollar car, you can you can maybe, especially a halo car like the Corvette, you can put the resources into design and, and engineer it. But if you're talking about a seventeen thousand dollar Chevrolet Trax, how much of that technology are you willing, and how much of that technology is going to be? Um, able to, or profitable to put into a car like I, I that. I don't know. Pick the segment, right? The, 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 let's let's talk about the Chevy Trailblazer, right? Which you just reviewed. Yeah. Uh, you know that's a that's a cute little off roady kind of runabout. Yeah, it was great. Really, really good car. Right, but why not make that like like make a badass, make a cool, make it something that people lust after, not something that you know you have to uh, start discounting right away and you know start. Uh, putting into rental fleets, you know, all this stuff that ends up happening with cars that people don't really want but end up buying because, you know, that's how much budget they have. I'm just not sure that that is a way anymore to to build a car company. And let's talk about our next car, which is a completely different car company. It's Tesla, right? Tesla is now building cars and trucks that people lust after. These are highly desirable cars, and we just bought the Model Y, uh, and the Model Y, of course, is their latest and I would think their greatest car. And once again, no matter what the Tesla is, you're going to get a whole bunch of things, right? You're going to get a completely different driving experience because it's electric. But more than that, you're going to get a completely different ownership experience because they do over-the-air updates. You're also going to get instant acceleration because you've got just tons of torque, um, you're also going to get, uh, you know, something uh, that you can live with on a daily basis, but has its own proprietary charging network that, uh, that that's throughout the entire world now. Uh, and, and these are pretty straightforward things you can kind of list, and yet none of the other car manufacturers are doing it. And so when the model went on sale, what was it, like two years ago, right, once again, hundreds of thousands of reservations, and then when they actually started building them, you know, there is a, what, a two- to three-month wait to get it. 
Once again, a car that people want, not a car that people need. But we're also talking about a car that starts realistically at $50,000. Yes, it's not cheap. You know, if, I'm sure if Chevrolet could sell a Trailblazer at $50,000, they could make it pretty but, incredible. But you know what? If you can sell a Corvette at $50,000 over sticker, maybe the price point is more elastic than you think. I mean, that seems like an old way of thinking, right? Well, if it's too expensive, then it's not affordable. No one's going to buy it. Well, the Model Y and the Corvette and the Defender and the, especially the Bronco are all expensive, and yet people are lining out the back door to buy them. Where are they getting all this money? It's out there. I mean, people have to either borrowing it or somehow they're mortgaging their house to buy these things or they're doing long-term loans. But, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are putting down serious deposits to buy very expensive cars. But I don't think – I mean, relative to what the Corvette is, there's a lot of people. But the, the volume of a Corvette compared to something like the volume of a Silverado – Bronco, 150,000 reservations. That's a $100 deposit, though. You said it yourself that a $100 deposit is, well, let's, let's, is basically we, just be, what people are doing for – so be, they claim they have one on order. Before we get to the Bronco, let's talk about the Model Y. Yeah. All right, so the Model Y is basically a Model 3 with a lot more utility. Yeah, it's a, it's a lifted lifted Model 3. Yeah, with a hatchback, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so it's got more headroom. It's got more height, so it's a little bit easier to get in and out of. It's just a much, it's just a much uh, better Swiss Army knife. You can do a lot more with it, yet it has everything that the Model 3 has, right? It's basically the same size, so it's kind of that Goldilocks size. It's not too big like the Model X, I would argue, is too big. It's not too small. Um, it uh, you know has basically the same infotainment controls that, that the Model 3 has, uh, and it's a little bit slower. We got the performance, uh, but not much slower. Uh, and so it takes all the good things about a Model 3 and remedies the f- big problems that it had, which was basically utility, right? A lot of people wanted the Model 3, but if you wanted to throw a mountain bike in the back of it or if you wanted to, you know, put your dog back there, it, it was very space-limited because the headspace wasn't that great. And then behind that second row of seats, you didn't have as much space. And now with the Model Y, you have that. It's kind of the, the Goldilocks of the Tesla lineup. That's why I think it's going to sell, like, really well. And not just now when it's hot, but, you know, even this time next year. So it starts at 49.9, yeah. and then that's for the long-range all-wheel drive, and then the performance starts at 59.9. So it is an expensive vehicle. It's, it competes with cars like the X4, the Mercedes GL, C-Coupe. Uh, all these, all these, you know, high-end luxury vehicles. It's not, it's not affordable, but it definitely brings a lot to the table. Yeah, and you know, the rumors are swirling about in the Tesla world that they are going to roll out a rear-wheel drive affordable Model Y. Uh, so it's coming. We just don't know yet, you know, on what side of the bed Elon wakes up and decides to actually roll it out because that's kind of how Tesla marketing, right, right, is. One day you wake up and. They cut the price by 3000 The next day you wake up and they make supercharging free uh, for the next month if you buy it. I mean, it, it's very capricious in, in terms of, you know, what models are being rolled out and when. The interesting thing is you can also spec it in a seven-seat configuration, yes. too. So you don't have to get the, uh, the, the five-seater. Coming in, it says available in 2021 on their website, there's going to be a $3,000 option to make your Model Y seat more than the standard Model 3. Right, but for instance, we ordered the Performance, but um, we didn't want the big wheels and tires because they're very heavy. Uh, and then, you know, we got ours because I made a couple of phone calls and I found out that they weren't building the one that we had ordered. But if we ordered the one with the big wheels and tires, we could get it. So they actually, since we ordered it, they've eliminated the option to have the Performance with, like, the, the smaller wheels without the lowered suspension. So yeah. now it, now you have to get the... Uh, yeah. 
you have to get the uh, the, the, the big. It's deals. kind of like going to the bakery, you know. And, and only on some days do they do your favorite kind of banana bread. <laughs> so I feel it's with Tesla. Uh, so you know, we were able to get it early, uh, not because there wasn't enough, not because there wasn't demand for it, just because we you know happened to figure out which one they were building and which ones were available. But it is a pretty incredible vehicle. So the interior is super minimalist. You just have one. I think it's like an 18-inch screen in the side. Inside, yeah, I called it the best car of the year. Yeah, it really is great, and and it's got wireless charging. It's which the Model Three doesn't have. It's got a heat pump for the winter, which the Model Three doesn't have. Yeah, more so fuel efficient. They've really improved the. Um, and there's rumors that they're going to add the performance mode to it that the Model Three has, so the performance Y. Oh, like the track stuff. That'd yeah, be cool. Yeah, yeah, so I'm hoping that one day I wake up and that uh, is one of the uh, upgrades that uh, is added. Over the air, uh, but uh, let's go on to the uh, probably the the, the seismic um, earthquake that rocked our world a few weeks ago, which is a Bronco. We haven't driven that one, but no one has driven it. Uh, and actually, I just got to see it in person. I was up uh, in the mountains, and they were up there uh, testing it. We didn't do a video because it's been revealed, uh, and it looks good, Tommy. It's a good-looking vehicle. I think they nailed the design. Well, it's been gone for twenty-four years, so. I kind of hope they would nail the design after 24 years. They could have gotten it wrong. There are a lot of examples of car companies getting it wrong. That's true. But they really, really came out with something special. So it's Ranger-based platform. Yep. It was parked next to Ranger, too. But it's a convertible, so removable top, removable doors. And the cool thing about that is they've actually put a place for the doors in the vehicle. So unlike the Jeep, when you take the doors off, you have no place to put them. In the uh, Bronco, you can actually store them in the vehicle. It's got both two- and four-door configurations, Yes, and it's also available in a bunch of different trims. All of them have four-wheel drive, and there are some versions with something called the Sasquatch package, which is going to be a true uh, like Wrangler Rubicon competitor. Well, it's, the only, it's the only one that you can get from the factory with 35s, and if you're a big off-roader, uh, 35s just are better off-road, and if you're not a big off-roader, they just look badass. So there's one other vehicle you can buy with 35s in the factory. Cybertruck? Nope, it's for sale right now. With 35s. It's uh-huh. got to be a truck. Yep, it's a truck. It's got to be a truck. Not the Power Wagon. That's nope, got, no. it's got tiny tires. It's got tiny tires, yeah. Another, a truck with 35s. I don't know, tell me what. I'm, Raptor. Oh, yeah, so there you go. So the Raptor, of course, which makes sense. That's also another Ford product. Um, so, yeah, the only chink in its armor that people are really complaining about is the fact that you can't get the Sasquatch package uh, with uh, the smaller engine, which means you can't get it with a manual transmission. So if you want the hardcore off-roader, you got to go automatic. And the Sasquatch package is like the 35-inch tires. It's the locking diffs. It's yeah. all the stuff you want to really go deep into the woods. And i got to tell you, I'm okay with that. I don't like going off-road with a manual. It's much harder. It's fun on the road. It's not so great off-road. You're burning your clutch all the time. There are two engine options too, right? So yeah. there's the 2.3 yeah. turbo. Out of the Mustang. Yeah, and the 2.7. Out of the Ranger. Uh, out of the F-150. Yeah, F-150, sorry, yeah. The, yeah. the, the little EcoBoost. Yeah, the, the, and that's available with the 7-speed manual or the 10-speed automatic. I figure most of them are going to be 10-speeds. And I also figure that most of them are going to be probably the four-door trims. And, you know, the one caveat about the Bronco is initially they said it was going to be out sometime next spring, and now they're saying summer. So they went from April of next year to June of next year. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a wait. That's a, that's a year wait. And in the automotive world, a year is a long time. You know, a lot can happen in a year. As yeah. we saw this year. A lot can happen, for sure. For sure. So it's it's. I, I really wish it would come out sooner. I think order guys are going to open in September. 
And then, uh, or so the configurators are going to open in yeah, September. Yeah, because people already ordered them. There's, or, you know, yeah, the you first can, year of production, they're saying, Ford's saying they can build about 100,000. And as of last week, they had 150,000 orders. And once again, I got a bad feeling that the first uh, ones are going to be the special launch editions, which are going to be the crazy expensive, um, very luxurious ones. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're right. So order guides or... It starts man, at I'm 30, just all over the place. It starts to 30K. Yeah, so the configurator goes live on in September. You can f- officially place your order in December, is what I've heard. No, you mean you mean actually, no. People have already placed their order. Well, those are just reservations. Right. So that's just basically saying I reserve my ability okay, okay, to buy okay, a Bronco. Okay. Yeah, all right, but we get all these emails from people saying I already ordered mine, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm not going to split hairs with you. You haven't ordered it. You reserved it. Right. right, but it's a pretty big distinction. You know what I mean? Yeah, putting a hundred bucks down is kind it's of, pretty different than putting down. You know, a big down payment for one. I don't know if you need that. Do you need that? I don't know. We don't know. You can't. Anyway, anyway so there's going to be a first edition. Those are already sold out. Yeah, seven and a half. They doubled it. it was yeah, it like was 3, three and a half thousand. And now, they and now they're like seven thousand. Yeah. Yep. And then there's of course. Which, and the first edition, of course, is the most expensive one. Yeah, that's going to be like the sixty-five thousand dollar one. I think the interior is only available in this weird blue too. With like what diamonds and. Diamonds, <laughs> yeah, diamonds, and the more expensive. And I don't think it's going to come diamond ex- encrusted. Ex- exotic leathers made from, you know, extinct dinosaurs. Yeah, but the one you want, like the uh, like the the black diamond or the uh, the base Bad, models, the Badlands. Yeah, those are all going to come later, and I think it's going to be hard to find those configurations, more of the the, the lower end trims, because the dealers are always going to spec the fifty, sixty thousand dollar ones, because that's the one they're going to make money on. Yeah, so I'm kind of curious as to how they're going to keep the uh, momentum going over the next year when actually, you know, there won't be anything at the dealership until June of next year. That's a long time. Okay, here, here, here's how it works. I got the thing right here. Okay. So select your Bronco. You can reserve it now. Yeah. Put down a $100 de- rentable deposit. Yeah. Then it says beginning in December 2020, you'll be able to convert your reservation to an order mm. with your preferred Ford dealer. And then beginning mid-2021 are the first shipments. So I think the way it usually works is the dealer gets a certain amount of allocations, right? Okay. From the factory. That makes uh, sense. Uh, and then they can trade those allocations or those vehicles. So I wonder what, what, what happens is if if all of the build availability is already spoken for, how do the dealers actually order ones that they can sell? That's a great question. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. What's the answer to that? The answer is huge markups. Huge markups? <laughs> yeah, you know what's going to happen. can you mark up a vehicle that you have ordered? Well, people are going to buy them and they're going to flip them. Right? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's going to happen. And then dealers are going to order them and they're going to mark them up. It's going to be a free-for-all, dude. I'm really excited, though. I, I think it's a, a, a sweet-looking rig. Yeah, for sure. Sub-30,000 starting price, too. It's uh, it, it's it's going to definitely force Jeep to make some changes. And they already have, right? Jeep already announced that they're going to come out with a V8 a Wrangler. Not that um, you need a V8 Wrangler, <laughs> but you want one. Uh, maybe, it, like I said, maybe it's all about what you want. Uh, and so I think Jeep still has like a year of, of sales before uh, they start getting you know hit pretty hard with Broncos. Because let's face it, the Wrangler is in the crosshairs of the Bronco. It's a direct competitor. I mean, you, you could just see like Ford, like... Uh, benchmarked the Wrangler, and they said, okay, here's what the Wrangler is in terms of size, capability, in terms of features, and let's just go one step above that in every potential ability. I think that's what they did. So do you think people are going to uh, not place a Jeep order? 
because they're waiting for the Broncos. So if someone's going to buy a Wrangler, do you think they're going to hold off for the I'd next love to, eight I'd months? Love to, I'd love to see what you guys think. Let us know in the comments. Do you have a? Were you thinking about buying a Wrangler and said no, I'm going to hold off on the Bronco, or uh, are you uh, now you know actually going to trade in your Wrangler for a Bronco? I'd love to find out what people are thinking. Hmm. That's a good question. The other thing that, that I'm a little disappointed in is I wish they had actually uh, made the jump to the next level, which is electric. I, I'm sorry, guys, uh, but I know, and and I used to be like this. You know, I I didn't think electric vehicles were going to be the future. I thought they were just going to be kind of a thing in the pan, but. Uh, when you know when the Tesla Model Three outsold the Three Series, which forever was the benchmark for sedans, and then in a lot of places in the world, car, electric cars are outselling gasoline cars. Uh, you know it's coming, uh, and so I kind of wish that Bronco had gone and actually done something electrified right away, as opposed to uh, you know doing just the traditional gasoline engines. Yeah, that would be a really. I'd love to see like a fifty kilowatt battery. Step. Yeah, like a uh, like a. 200-mile range in an all-electric Bronco would have been a really cool thing. Yeah. I mean, basically, they, they matched, in some cases, I think, beat the capability of the Wrangler and definitely the features of the Wrangler. But it would have been cool if they would have, like, leapfrogged them rather than, you know, met them and forced them to do something like a V8. Yeah, because let's look into our crystal ball. Let's look into our crystal ball a year and a half from now, right? Not that far, right? So you're going to have... Uh, the ability to choose from, and if you want an off-roader now, this is true, right? You can have the ability to choose from a traditional Bronco, which I think a lot of people will because they, again, smash out of the ballpark. But you're going to have Rivian out there selling their electric truck, uh, which has some pretty cool capabilities like doing the tank turn. You're going to have the Cybertruck out there, right? They broke ground on the factory in Austin, uh, which is actually something that is like, you know, completely bad bonkers beyond anything uh and so i wonder if at some point people will be like you know the the instant torque of electric vehicles really is what uh shifts the ground we just uh took a hellcat and raced it against our model y uh at bandamere and the results were eye-opening and i wonder if the same thing's going to happen in the off-road world i got a sneaking suspicion it might we're going to have to wait and see. I, I think the off-road world is going to be the last one to convert to EV. Yeah, because you can't plug it into a tree. Right, because when you're out on the trail, <laughs> you're, you're going to be stuck if you run out of power. So I think Ford definitely has a bunch of years before they need to, for sure. You sure? You sure about that? Because like I say, uh, you know, you're going to have a Cybertruck. You're going to have a Rivian. You're oh, going to have a workhorse. Someone who's spending $69,000 on a Rivian is not cross-shopping that with a $35,000 Bronco. I just First of all, you'll never see a $35,000 Bronco. Okay, what about a $40,000 Bronco? Barely. I don't, I don't believe it. I, I think the first if, – if the demand is a strong – if I were Ford, I would not touch uh, – I would not touch – it happened with Defender, right? They're saying that they're not building the 110 because the, – the, the 90, the smaller one, right? Because it's of COVID. But all you're seeing right now at all the dealerships are $70,000, $80,000 Defenders. I think that's what you're going to see at the Bronco dealerships for the first six months. So let's say that actually they hit their numbers and they come into June. I don't think you're going to see a thirty or $40,000 Bronco that you can buy. I'm sure. sure they'll be sitting there. No, I have no doubt that, but I don't think that's going to matter in terms of like then Rivian. You, then you're directly competing against Rivian and you're a Cybertruck. At $45,000, you're not competing against a $70,000 Rivian. But you're not going to see that $45,000. But you're not going to see a Rivian either because they've all been there's, – there's waiting lists out the door for a Rivian. And people have tons of them ordered, 
and they have to build them up. It's going to take a long time before these... Ruby is supposed to come out at the same time They were the supposed to be out by now, Dad, and they keep delaying it and delaying... No, they delaying. were supposed to be out in the first quarter of 2021. I thought the initial no. plan was late 20, 2020. No, 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 2021, early first quarter, mm. and now they, now they just said June. I'm so, suspicious that that thing's going so to come r- out, Dad. Right now, Rivian and... Um, uh, Bronco are set to come out at the same time, and the Cybertruck late 2021. I mean, we're also comparing uh, a small SUV versus a full-size truck. Yeah, but I think people will cross-shop them. Mm, I'm not so sure about that. I don't think someone in the market how about, for How about the Workhorse? Workhorse is so far, I think, from also actually, actually needing... Lordstown. The, yeah. yeah. Lordstown is so far from actually coming up with a truck that's going to be readily available. I, I, think, that, I, think, the, I think, Tommy, that the, that the executives and the... Entrepreneurs and all these companies are sitting there looking at the looking at the numbers, and I think the one thing they all know is the one who comes to the market first is the one that's going to get the most sales. And so I don't think they're sitting. I don't think the guys at like uh, Tesla are sitting there thinking to themselves, you know what, uh, we'll just sit here and we'll build the Cybertruck and wait for uh, sales to come to us. I think they saw what the Bronco did. I think they saw how crazy uh, the numbers are. And if anything, knowing Tesla, they'll be like, we're going to get this thing out the door faster than you than you oh, think. Oh no, that Tesla's going to get that done first. But I don't think someone's going to crash up a, a Cybertruck with the Bronco. Well, once again, let us know in the comments. You know, uh, I would certainly cross shop them uh, i think they're just ultimately both really cool off-roaders uh, and i would cross shop them hmm. i'm yeah. not sure i would but let us know in the section comment section below yeah all right uh, well there you have it guys the uh four hottest uh vehicles of the year there's a couple others uh i think the rav4 prime is another one and once again showing the way electrification the rav4 prime is a rav4 with a, a battery big enough to get your 40 miles of all electric range right uh, and they were going to build a couple thousand of them. Now they're saying they're going to build 5,000 of them, and the demand is through the roof. You can't find them. Once again, build the vehicle that people want, not people need, uh, and uh, you're going to be successful. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, for spending oh, about an hour with us. Uh, remember, uh, if you want to see these videos... Um, Head on over to TFL Car, TFL Truck, TFL Off-Road, and we will talk to you next week. See you guys next time. Ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.